insurance policies on every investor partnership we get into, we want to make sure we're insuring the people that run our businesses. So our short-term rental business, we have over 25 units and we want to make sure we've insured the operator of that business because if they go down, it's going to be a bad day for us. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Life and Money Show. I'm Annie Dickerson here with Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm getting excited for the holidays. Can't even believe it's already December at the time that we're recording this. It's so crazy that, yeah, it just feels like so much time has kind of flown by. But we're going to be in Hawaii for Christmas. And so we're trying to figure out, what do we do with like the Christmas gifts and like Santa and all of that stuff? I don't know. I'm like contemplating telling my kids Santa doesn't exist because I'm like, do we lug all these like gifts out to like Hawaii or what do we do? Or do we careful? They're going to listen to this episode (laughs) when they get older. I know. I know. It's so funny. Right. So anyway, just got Christmas on the brain, all good stuff, but so much fun work stuff too. And just really gearing up for 2022. So yeah. Well, that's the fun part about this time of year, right? Is beyond just wrapping up the year and thinking about Christmas and holidays and the end of the year, it's thinking about the year ahead. I love that, right? It's like a fresh start every year. And then January starts and it just whizzes by. But this time of year is such a great time of year to just reflect to think back, even for our listeners, even if you're listening to this in January, February, or any time of year, it's never a bad time of year to reflect and think and create your goals. And that's something that Julie and I are such big proponents of. We do it many times a year, reflect back on what we've done and think forward to where we want to go. Because if you don't make those plans, you're not going to get there. I mean, the plans are worthless, but planning is everything. That's what they say, right? And it's in that process of planning and thinking about where you want to go and being intentional about it. We always talk about being intentional. That's Mm -hmm. how you're going to actually make it possible. To get there. Yeah. Well, I always say you can either plan your life or life will happen and it may not happen the way you want it to, right? So better to get out there and plan it the way you want it to happen. Indeed. Indeed. And nobody knows that better than our guests today, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. They're the creators of Wealth Without Wall Street. And they're just such a sensation. They, two guys who sort of came together almost by accident and didn't know much about this world, but decided they were going to not only explore it together and figure out all these, try out all these alternative investments to grow their wealth outside of what they had been taught, but really beyond that to go forth and teach others as well. And what I love about the two of them beyond that they are so funny is that (laughs) um, they share so openly, right? And and they're not afraid to make mistakes and they share so openly with their audience about their journey. And that's the thing is it's all about the journey. It's not necessarily about the destination or sitting on a beach at the end of it, but really growing and learning and trying new things, which is what they're all about. So we talk about so much about all of that in this conversation. 
Yeah, it was so cool because like you said, there's just like the sharing piece of it that I loved is that they help investors try to figure out maybe what investment might be one that's a good fit for them. And they have a whole like strategy that they use to help them understand the investor's DNA, as they call it, and sort of the way they see the world. And then they sort of take all of that information and then they figure out like which asset class or investment opportunity might really match up with who you are as a person, not just like, oh, is this a good investment? And is it going to give me a good cash on cash return? But like really getting out of the investment, whatever it is you want out of it, because people invest, believe it or not, for all kinds of different reasons, right? People sometimes invest for cash flow, or they invest for security, or they invest for, I want to invest in apartments and sort of the significance of investing in apartments. And so going through this sort of thing that they have, this process that they have is a pretty cool idea and a pretty cool way to be able to help people find exactly what it is that they want to invest in. And they actually will share with you how much money they're making on all of each of their investments across all these different asset classes that they're doing. But we got to talk about that kind of stuff. And then obviously we got to talk about whole life insurance and how they're using that as a tool to invest. And that was pretty cool too. We've had a couple of people on the show to talk about this, but I feel like every time we have somebody on the show, they're able to kind of explain the way to use it. And this is something, you guys, that you want to hear in different ways because Annie and I, even still, um, we've been doing this whole life insurance policy for years now, but even still ask one of us to explain it. And I always defer to one of our podcast episodes because it's tough. It's a tough thing. And so it's pretty cool because we've had a few people on the show now. And if you listen to each one, they all have a little bit of a different way that they talk about how to use the policies, what's important to them, what they look for and how they structure them and all that different stuff to use them ultimately to invest in real estate. And so we spent some time kind of talking about that today on the show or on the episode. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. I mean, it's not unlike the world of real estate syndications, right? When you first get into it, you want to invest passively. There can be a lot of terminology to learn. It can seem very daunting, this process, right? And so you want to listen to it and learn about it in different ways. And so the more that you hear different perspectives or read different stories or hear from different people or teach it to other people, the more that it'll become a real, real live 360 thing to you rather than something that's abstract. And so for any of our listeners who are new to the world of real estate syndications, a great place to start is to grab a copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. We have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodeginvestments.com slash book. Now with that, let's dive into our conversation with Russ and Joey. Russ and Joey, welcome to the show. How are you? Never better. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yes. Well, the concepts that you guys teach around financial freedom, passive income, and no longer trading time for money are all things that Julie and I are super passionate about as well. And so we're excited to dig in with you both today. Now, I'd love to start with this concept of wealth without 
Wall Street. By its very nature, it implies that you're going against the grain, that you're rebelling against the norm, and that you have to step up in some way and really have that courage to do something that other people aren't doing. So, Joey, let's start with you. Is this something that was a theme for you early in life or before you got into this business, sort of thinking outside the box and maybe rebelling against accepted norms? Or how did that all come to be? To be honest, I was always the guy in the box. Ah. And and I realized that the guy in the box is having no fun, right? (laughs) Things are not going well for the guy in the box. So you got to step out of it, right? And I actually, I tie it to, I was in that corporate world in that nine to five, we came that like eight to 10 job early on. And I was just climbing that corporate ladder. I was making great money, but I found myself making over $300,000 in the mortgage business, but never truly being present with my family. And there's a few things that I point to. One, uh, going on vacation was just an extension of the office in a different location. And I remember sending my wife and my daughters, I have five daughters, by the way, sending them down to the beach. I'm right behind you. Just, I just had to take this one call. And subsequently getting down there an hour and a half later, and they're walking back into the condo because they've already had their fun. They've already soaked up the sun. And I'm the one sitting there like feeling guilty and they're not with dad. This is not the way that I saw financial success before getting to that point. And, and I said, something has got to be different. Like there's got to be a different way. And so I think Wealth Without Wall Street is a really, it's a response to finding that alternative way that they, I just can't follow the same path and expect a different result. And that's really where I met Russ. We were friends first and, and he started to teach me some things he handed me a book first. He said, Hey, by the way, I'm going to start referring you some clients. So you need to read this book. So you're, you're ready to talk to them about these concepts that I'm teaching them. And he said, by the way, it's going to be $20. And I don't know about you, but immediately I'm thinking this guy must not have many clients. Like <laughs> these are rough times when you're asking me to read a book and you're going to charge me. Like this is low rent, man. Don't listen to him. Don't, please don't listen. <laughs> he is so cheap. He is so cheap that I knew that if he was going to read it, it was going to be because he gave me money for it. That was my mission behind that. He always throws this in my face. That is a true statement, by the way. I will give him credit for that. Had he not charged me, I probably wouldn't have read it. And be honest, it dramatically, when I say dramatically, it turned me 180 degrees the opposite direction. And to your point, I started, instead of being the guy putting money blindly away into 401k jail every single month and every pay period and putting money into IRAs and not having access to any capital or any opportunities, I started to do the opposite. And man, four years into that process, I got so fired up about really the projection and the trajectory of our finances. I said, Russ, I got to do this. Like, there's, There's not enough people that know that this exists. And I felt like the Lord kind of put his thumb in my back and he's like, well, why don't you do it? Mm. So it's almost like that book was your wake up call. Sounds like absolutely. Yeah. And completely honest, I was oblivious to the fact that my family was drifting that far away from me 
until later. My wife kind of shared that with me. And I was thinking I was so awesome. Like, man, I'm making all this money. I'm providing at such a high level for you guys. You should be so excited that I chose to be your husband and your dad. And then they let me know, by the way, you were completely distant. And so, so your point, the book does, was a wake up call. And then I realized later how close I was to losing the, the most important part of my life that I was doing all that work for. And what book was this? Did you mention the name of the book? So it's a book, Become Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. And huh. uh, it was a, again, complete light bulb moment that challenged me. If you never read it, it's got some stories in it that you're wondering, like, as you're reading, you're like, what does this have to do with personal finance and like financial freedom? But as you read it multiple times, very similar to the way you read God's word, it opens up new things that you're like, this was always here. How did I miss this the last three times that I read this? But yeah, so that was the book. Interesting. And so Russ, it sounds like You must have, by the time that you handed Joey that book, you must have been doing this for a while. How did you stumble into this space? You asked about, were we always contrarians? And I am. I live in the state of Alabama and I'm an Auburn fan. (laughs) So from birth, I have gone against the grain. But actually, I got into the typical financial advisory space. I was a certified financial planner at one point. Now I refer to myself as a recovering certified financial planner. (laughs) We've had a few of those on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had come across this at a low point and I've seen the market and the time where I thought that I was supposed to know everything. And I've been teaching people better ways to use cash. And at the time we had just started thinking alternatives, right? Because when the market crashed, I'm like, okay, what are the alternatives? And so that book had kind of opened up a window and idea toward other things for me. And I just knew that with the mortgage person, the company that we had at the time had a mortgage company and it folded during the crash. And I knew that I needed to have somebody to refer our clients to, but I didn't want them and the person I was sending them to, to start talking about, oh yeah, you need to go to a 15 year mortgage and pay it off faster because we were talking about how do we keep access to cash? How do we use the extra cash to create cash flow. And, and so that was the reason the book was kind of introduced to Joey. But to be honest, I was maybe six months ahead of him in the process. Mm. Okay. So it sounds like you had started out with the more traditional route, but you saw the writing on the wall and you, instead of just blindly going forward, you thought, okay, how can I best help my clients knowing the situation that's coming up ahead and how can I help them navigate these waters? I assume this was back in around 2008 era. Is that right? So yeah, it was actually, I got introduced to that book in January, 2009. That was the Mm, first conference of the year that I went to following the crash of 08. And the book, again, there's lots of nuance to the book, as Joey mentioned, but here it was the part that kind of was a light light bulb moment for me. My wife is a dentist. We started our dental practice in December of 2008. Great time to start a business, right? And at the time, she took out a business loan for a little over $600,000 from Bank of America. They're like the leader provider in the dental world. At the same time, I'd been managing money for her dad and a stock that he had owned, Bank of America, we had actually had a stop loss on it. And so early in 2008, the majority of that whole stock was liquidated through that stop loss. And he and I both were scared deaf to do something with the cash. He was just sitting on it in a bank. And I read this book, January 2009, it talks about how banks just lend depositors money to people who need it and they make a good living off the spread. 
And I was like, literally like viewing this right before me with my father-in-law having large number in the bank, my wife borrowing money. I'm like, technically she's just borrowing his money, but she's paying 8% to them and they're paying him like 0.1%. And it just made so much sense to me. And that was like the first start for me to say, how could we step into that position? So shortly thereafter, got them together. I had this crazy idea of what if you pay off her Bank of America loan, she starts paying you the seven, $8,000 a month back that she was paying Bank of America. And it was a beautiful relationship until she sold her dental practice about 10 or 11 years later. Like he loved it. And I mean, since then we've used that to invest in so many other deals and it was for us kind of seeing, okay, well, the real opportunities that have been missed before is because we never had access to cash. I never thought about cash flowing assets because I really never had money to do anything with, right? I had been taught, just invest it, accumulate it, get the $5 million in the 401k right off into the sunset when the sun has already set kind of thing. Yeah. What I love about it is it sounds like you had the courage at a time when people were really scared to do anything with their money, but you sort of had this moment where you're like, wait a second, this makes a lot of sense. Why haven't I been doing this? And you created a win-win situation for your wife and your father-in-law that helped both of them. And it sounds like that's what you guys are doing now through Wealth Without Wall Street is you're really helping people to think creatively about what are their goals and how can they leverage the resources and the tools that they have to really think outside the box and to get to those goals earlier, sooner. Yeah. It goes back to kind of where my thought process early on and what I was teaching and perpetuating was that you do have to wait to some future age. And that was the part that I was never comfortable with that. Just like Joey said, I mean, he was recognizing it. I was recognizing the people I was working with. They were all at the same, just work as hard as we possibly can. And that was the way we measure success is the more money we make, right? The more successful we are, but that's not truly the case. And it wasn't until later on, to be honest, like I started implementing these things. It came to a point where I recognized that the freedom was when my passive income was going to equal or exceed my monthly expenses. And Joey and I hired this consultant to come into our business and, and could kind of look at it. And one of the things he said to me, he said, well, my job should be to help you guys get what you want and then automate, delegate everything else. We're like, Sounds good. He said, well, how much money do you need to live your life? And I told him and he said, how much money did you make last year? And I told him and it was that plus one, for instance. And he said, well, okay, now my job is easy. I just need to start automating and delegating. And, and from that point forward, my vision has been, how do we make things passive? How do we get in a role where our day is not figuring out how to create more jobs for myself is actually how to remove jobs for myself. And then every investment, every opportunity we get into, we think the same way. And it's something that's led us to creating our own passive income report that we started sharing with the world and using that as the measuring stick. Because I've heard a lot, very wise people say, what you want to grow, you track. And what you track and report on will grow exponentially. And that's been what we've seen in our lives as well. I'll share this to Russ's point. He's been always been driven to create and like to make new businesses and to think about new ways. My anchor story would be one time I was taking my fourth daughter to her preschool 
And it was a rare occasion because I was usually working too much to where I could even take her to school in the morning. But on this occasion, I was, and she just started this little conversation with me. And it was super simple, but she said, Dad, you going to pick me up this afternoon? And I said, no, your mom's going to be here. She said, why are you not going to pick me up? I said, well, I've got to go to work. And she said, why you have to go to work? I said, well, because we have to pay for this car. Like we have to pay for the house and that food that you eat. I got to pay for that. She said, we already have a house. We already have a car. And it was just a super simple conversation from a two or three-year-old. I can't recall how old she was at the time, but for me, the thing that just got me in my gut was I have to go to work. I just had to tell my daughter, there's no possibility of me coming to pick you up, even though that's what you desire. Like you want to spend time with me, but it's not going to happen because I have to go to work. And every day that we are serving people without Wall Street is we're giving them a vision, whatever that vision is for them. For me, it was that. What is that why that's going to push you to do something outside of the box to create your goal and your plan, and then get the support to get to passive income greater than monthly expenses. Because I knew the answer as I was telling her, I have to go to work. The answer was, we have to create passive income. Without it, I will never be able to answer her any differently. And that just wasn't going to be an option any longer. So I came back and told Russ, I was like, we got to get serious about creating this passive income. And that's really partly what sparked us to get on this journey. And then to lead from the front, as Russ said, telling people what we're doing, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but then to report on those numbers has really kept us accountable. How do most people stumble across the concept of financial freedom? I mean, I think some people don't even know that they're focused. They've got their blinders on. They're going to work, right? Their daughter may ask them the same question and they're just like, yep, nope, can't pick you up. See you later, right? And like, how do people get to that point where they're seeking something more? Do you find that people typically have a wake-up call like you've experienced or they get to a certain pain point threshold? How do people usually discover you guys and what you guys do? I think it usually comes with that moment. There is something, right? There is that pain moment. One of the mentors that we had, he talked about one of the lightning light bolt moments for him was he had a series of negative events in his life. Someone died, his house had been burglarized, a child or grandchild had been born with cancer, like all of these things. And then he was stuck owing large amount of money and interest rates spiked. I mean, just this myriad of things. And so there he was just seeking, like, what else can I do? What can I do to get out of the situation? I think that's oftentimes the person who seeks us out. And we always say that what we do is help people who want and keyword want to be financially free, get there faster. Because a lot of times when all things are going well, like we don't even know that what we're doing may not be getting us closer to the finish line or closer to what we want. And it requires something. It requires coming face to face. And a lot of times the people we're talking to have been there or every once in a while, right? We get referred to someone, they're in a position where they would deem themselves financially secure, but they're always kind of thinking, well, what if this thing goes away? If I have this single point of failure, it could be their business, right? What if this doesn't work out the way I put all my eggs in this basket? And what if it doesn't work out? man, I will feel really bad to think of, I missed the opportunity to set something else up that's running parallel to this, 
to give me the confidence to do this other thing. And so that's kind of what we've been able to see is that people who come to us typically have faced an adversity or somebody said, hey, by the way, you got this single point of failure here. You better not miss the opportunity to take advantage of this business cash flow or investment cash flow to use it for something else. So that that way you kind of have multiple legs. And I'll say this, there's two people come to mind that we have in our community that shared this with us. One, he said, man, before COVID hit, I was just kind of comfortable making a good income in sales. We kind of spent what we wanted. We weren't really getting anywhere financially, but didn't really feel any sort of a burden. And he said, then COVID hit and our incomes got severely cut, not like to nothing, but maybe it was like 20 or 30% decrease. And all of a sudden he was kind of up against the wall and he's like, wait a minute. It's kind of like, this is not going to work out for me. <laughs> I can't be subject to this. And he got on a path and within 18 months, I would say, he's now got his first short-term rental property in the mountains, like the Gatlinburg area, and is cash flowing a significant amount every single month, just totally passively. He's got his second one under contract and he's got the confidence now. Like really the transformation was, I have no idea what's going on. Don't really care to now I have a confident plan to get to financial freedom within the next three years. And that is the kind of person that we find, they find us on a regular basis. The second person I'll mention is a guy that he runs an excavator for his job, right? So he's got a lot of time to listen to stuff on uh, podcasts and other things. So he listens to our podcast. He finds out about us. He starts down the path. He starts getting into land flipping. And the reason he was motivated to do that is his wife had a growing family. His wife was a full-time nurse. And in order for her to be able to stay home and to um, help them raise their children, they were expecting their third, they had to replace her income. And so he really set out to do that at first. And within 18 months, he had replaced her income just in a side hustle doing this land flipping. And now we've talked to him around 20 to 30 months later, they have 15,000 a month in passive income from this side hustle. It's just amazing that that was their motivation that said something outside of what I'm doing today has to happen. And so those are the kind of people that hear the message and say, okay, maybe there's something here for me. So I'm curious, what kind of investing are you guys doing? When we talk about getting to passive income, talk to us about the different vehicles that you guys, I see Russ, you're, you're smiling. What kind of different vehicle? Why are we laughing? What kind uh, of different vehicles are we using here? Because there's so many, right? And that's the fun part about what we do though, right? It's like being in Disneyland. I still remember it's so funny. Annie and I were at the same conference together, didn't know each other and didn't meet for like, what, two more years after that. But it was like being at Disneyland, right? For real estate investors, because you got to learn about land flipping and you got to learn about short-term rentals and you got to learn about multifamily syndication and single family homes, out-of-state investing. There's like so many different things. So when you guys work with your clients, where do you start? Because there's so much out there. Yeah. Well, I laugh, Julie, because we are involved in a lot of things personally, but we tell, we kind of give disclaimer every single time, please don't look at all of the lists because our passive income report is put out every single month. You can go look at the list. We show our Excel spreadsheet of all the things that we're doing. 
But we leave the disclaimer, please don't try to do all of those things. You even hear the most. But wait, why, people. Russ? Why? Well, give me one second. Here's what I would say. Is <laughs> okay. that I've heard okay. some of the most, su- <laughs> most successful investors out there say you see people who are investing in all these different things and you assume that that's what you should do first. But people made their money in one thing. And then once they had the money, then they started creating multiple things. And I would say that's kind of where we were too. But the first thing I would answer to your question is have a very clear goal. And we've been talking about that. I think the why behind why would this be important for me? And I think you probably have already hit this so many times on your show. Most people have been developing that clear vision of what they want their life to look like. They just was trying to figure out what's the path. And for us, our first objective with them when we get to that step, once they know what they want, is to help them understand their investor DNA, understand who they are, the way that they see the world, because there's no specific investment that is either good or bad. There's only good or bad investors. And so for us, the first thing we want to do is understand who they are as an investor. And so we have a thing that we use, we call our investor DNA. Then we give them, as you say, there's an infinite grab bag of opportunities. We give six of the most basic ones that we've used in the past. And we say, all right, let's match up. We call it our passive income matrix. Let's match up who you are against these things, how you will see the pros, cons, key factors, the way that you will see this so that you will know, oh, well, this one, I wouldn't like for this reason, this reason, this reason. And so I don't have to waste time just because on your spreadsheet, you guys are doing well there it just wouldn't be a good fit for me. And I allowed them to minimize. It's kind of like kids going off to college, right? I don't know about you, but I kept changing majors. And every time I kept changing majors, I kept adding years. My third sophomore year, I started this new idea, right? So then (laughs) for us, it's like, how can we shave time, compress time for people so they don't go chasing down a road that they don't need to? And with that, then usually they get to find out, okay, these one or two ideas I really resonate with. I feel like I can add value to it because we typically tell people the more you understand about it, the more you can either influence or control the outcome of it, the less risk it is for you, the higher the return is for you. And some of these things do start off as side hustles and then they find ways to make them passive in nature. But that's the way that we do it, Julie. It's just, we start off with there, but just to kind of give you a list. So Joey and I, we own e-commerce businesses, We own a short-term rental business. We own a land flipping business. Uh, We have investments in syndications, both in multifamily and ATMs. We have single family properties. And I won't even go into the cattle business that we started and are about to shut down because just on and on, there's plenty of those little side things that we've started over time, uh, private lending and all sorts of stuff. Well, give us a little teaser or a taste of this matrix and this investor DNA. Like, is it based on like, if I come and I'm like, okay, I want financial freedom within the next five years, I'm averse to risk. What is it based on and what are the results that people can expect? So the way that we outline the passive income matrix to partner with that investor DNA is the investor DNA would be similar to like a personality profile. So what are the types of things that really charge you up? Which things do you kind of shy away from? And those things, then we applied and said, okay, for instance, I'm going to say, if you're familiar with like the DISC profile, I don't know if you've ever taken a DISC profile. So somebody that is a super high critical thinker, they would call that like a C profile. 
they may not love certain aspects of the short-term rental business. Like for instance, going out and talking to property owners and getting them to, in a sense, having to influence that conversation to allow them to use your unit for the purpose of short-term rentals. They may shy away from that, but they may really love the analyzing a deal in the land flipping space, being able to research and find this property for 25 cents on the dollar, and then turn around and make an offer based on that and have a matrix to follow, like a process that's very clear. Like those are the types of things that we held up against the different, like Russ said, the six different passive income matrix that we have. And then just what that does, it helps somebody say, oh, well, that's something I could get over or that's a no deal for me and and move on to the next one. I'll jump in there because when we do this assessment, um, you will realize that Joey has no details. So hence the reason he didn't really give you a lot there. So for instance, for someone who's very detail oriented, (laughs) if they were looking at short-term rentals, for example, one of the things that they would like is the fact that it's systematic, that it's scalable. There's opportunity to manage and organize things. There's opportunities for efficiencies. It's very data-driven, very market analytical from that standpoint, right? But as he was saying, on the opposite end of that, I would have to deal with people. Typically, an analytical may be more of an introverted person. So because of that, not naturally hospitable, right? My wife, you met her, she's a sweet lady, but she doesn't want you to come over and hang out all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Wait, she doesn't like when I come over? Stay in our own space. But also (laughs) there's uncertainty in it, right? Because it still is in its new phase. It's a very growth-oriented business. We've seen, I think two years ago, it was a $110 billion market. Now they're saying it's $170 billion. But it's still unknown, right? There's still cities that create ordinances again. There's people, as they get into each one of these little areas, they're going to match who they were built to be and we want to try to then match them toward that and then allow them. Then it goes into key factors. There may be for some people, how much money do I have to put into this? Can I put time or knowledge in there to maybe get there faster without that? And there's certain areas that will allow them to do that. And so we're trying to give them just insight that's a little bit deeper than, hey, short-term rentals, super cool. No, this is why you're going to like it, or this is why you're going to hate it. We'll get back to our conversation with Russ and Joey in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. 
We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day. Because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. That's so cool. I spent months, months, and almost nearly a year like diving in and then actually trying this stuff to discover what you guys already know and you guys are distilling down like here are the key things if you get into this industry that you can expect in this space and really working very closely with them. So that's so cool because it took me a good amount of time and money. Didn't lose money, but it took me some time, right, to kind of get into it and learn about it. So cutting the time savings there. I am curious, what is this passive investing report? Where do I get a copy of this thing? <laughs> we issue that every month on our podcast. So okay. it's an audible report as long as, as well as we do it on YouTube. And then we, in the show notes, you can typically get access to the actual report itself. And we're hoping to enhance our website to have it literally on the top right corner. We're trying to be really cool like John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn mm-hmm. and those guys. We just had to wait till it grew a little bit before. They, we- they definitely inspired us. We met them several <laughs> years ago at an event and they just posting their passive income. And yeah. it was like, wait a second, like we are talking and teaching people how to create streams of income. Yeah. Why would we not start posting ours? And mm-hmm. the first reason is because it we didn't feel like it was that great. Right? <laughs> so the first report that we posted, it was 3000 a month, which by the way, for most people, that's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But for us, we're thinking like, I don't think that's enough really to post. <laughs> it is that thing, what you track will grow and what you track and report on will grow exponentially. And we've seen it that we just reported on our October 2021 report. And it was a little over 67,000 for the month. And mm-hmm. it's just exciting. And to give framework to that, I was asked this the other day, sometimes we get into conversations, I'll say debates, not arguments with other advisors in the world out there. They see our brand and of course they want to come and attack and you haven't made it unless people are attacking you. right? So I feel like that's to right. some level, that's a good thing. <laughs> but we had one of the foremost experts on retirement income on our show, Dr. Wade Fowl, and he was talking about the 4% rule, right? That's the rule at what you can take 4% off your investments every single year and have a 100% guarantee that you won't run out of money in 20 years. Well, as we were talking to him, and this has been 18 months ago or so, he said, really, it's more like 3% today because of where interest rates are we really have had to scale that back. So to give context, if you took 67,000 a month, you took it over a year, you had to have a little over $26 million in a typical investment account to create that amount of monthly cash flow. I can promise you, we haven't put $26 million into our businesses in order to produce that. It's only and been it's like just, 25, I think. Bless <laughs> so is this total that you guys show, is it for each of you or is this like 
you guys invest together or what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, we, we do. It. Uh, it's for both okay. of us. The totals for both of us. We break it out because we do have separate investments. So uh-huh. you know, Joey has an RV that he rents, uh, kind of on an RV type share. I have some additional investment that I have outside of our stuff that I post on there. And then there's certain things that we've done more of individually than the other. So we typically show exactly what it is if there's individuals, and then we'll put our total together. We stack the cash in Cousin Eddie, the RV, and just drive it around. (laughs) So this, wait, I want to ask you really quick, this RV share, how does that work? Is it lucrative? I thought about doing it, but is it worth the time? What are we talking about return-wise? Well, so what I'll say is I don't know how everybody else does it because there's probably a better way. That's what Russ and I are for sure knowledgeable in that we don't always know the best way. What I did is I said, you know what? I have two business meetings out West and it's during the summer and I want to take my family on this cool trip. And I went to go and rent an RV myself. When I saw the bill for 25 days, I said- Holy crap. I was like, I know. why don't I just buy one? I mean, yep. literally, that's what my thought process was. I'm not too smart. I just said, okay, well, if I buy it, then if I buy it, I got to figure out a way to make money on it. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. how we do this. You have to create an asset. And so I went on the trip, not having that figured out, but on the trip, I had a lot of time to think and I'm natural networker. So I, I'm at the camping world And I'm talking to the guy that was already fixing my RV, which by the way, it was brand new and it was already needing to be repaired. And he said, you know what? You ought to talk to my friends. They live, happen to be the exact city that I live in. And he said, they have a rental company. They actually run these and they, they always looking to increase their fleet. Mm. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I called him up and I said, Hey, I've got this RV I'm on the trip right now and I'd love to figure out a way what to do with it when I get home. And they were like, well, why don't we just consign it with you where we just split the revenue on it, this revenue and expenses on it, which by the way, is a little bit rich. I'm sure you can make a lot more on it with somebody else. But I just said, well, these people are my town. And anyway, long story short, they've been running it. And the very first month that it was back was in September made like $1,600 over my cost of operation, like the mortgage on it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's a beautiful thing to have access to something like that, but to have somebody else managing it. It's been great. Yeah. That's the new world we live in, the sharing economy, right? Where you share share everything you got. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One thing I did want to ask. So it sounds like, obviously, from reading the book, Become Your Own Banker, I have read that book as well. I read it about the same time I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and talk about a mindset shift, right? Between those two books, like, wow. And that was five years ago. And so talk to us a little bit about, let's say somebody reads the book, they listen to the podcast, they read the book, they're like, hmm, okay, sounds interesting. What does creating a whole life insurance policy mean? What does it look like? How do they use it to invest? How do they use it to become their own banker? What does it all mean? Yeah. First, here's what I think most of us are trying to solve is get access to cash. And what we have found personally, all the deals and opportunities we've been in, initially, we would have never saw them because unless we had access to cash. Now, of course, we start thinking, how do we not ever put a dollar of our own money in it (laughs) and use someone else's? But that wasn't the way initially. So the concept of becoming your own banker is truly just 
redirecting the dollars that you're putting somewhere, typically in 401ks, IRAs, other accounts that you don't have access to, and setting up an insurance policy, not like the one the state farm agent down the street from you would normally do, right? It's set up specifically for cash value. And there's right ways to do that and wrong ways to do that. And we that was initially kind of what we were known as, is the people who are really good at setting that up. But once you get it set up, it just becomes a tool, better use than maybe your checking account is, Julie. Now, Joey and I have been doing this for 11 years. We have 30 or 40 whole life insurance policies between us because we own insurance policies on every investor partnership we get into. We want to make sure we're insuring the people that run our businesses. So our short-term rental business, we have over 25 units and we want to make sure we've insured the operator of that business because if they go down, it's going to be a bad day for us. And so we bought an insurance policy on them. We take the cash flow that comes from that business, we shove it in, in the cash value, and then we borrow against that cash value to buy new furnishings or invest in other units. And there's simplified ways. I won't really complicate it. If if you really want to dig into it, like on our website, we've got a page dedicated to infinite banking. If you want to join our community, we've built IBC 101 and IBC 201 courses that go super deep into how these insurance policies are designed, the ways that make them work better. But for most people, they're used to using some reservoir. They've just unfortunately used typically checking accounts. And it's just not a great place because our cash, when it sits there, is not doing much for us. And so we figured out how to use these and keep maybe that account working while doing something else as well. What do you say to skeptics out there who are like, whole life insurance? Really? Like, I heard you got to stay away from that. And I heard anybody who sells that stuff, I got to run the other way. So what do you say to that? Because there's a lot of people out there who aren't familiar. Annie and I are very well familiar. We've got our own policies. We use it to invest as well. But what do you say to those folks? I just had a conversation this morning with with an investor and we were talking about, I said, look, first thing you got to do is open up this policy, right? And pull out the cash and reinvest. And and she kind of gave me this look like, ooh, (laughs) whole life, really? Do I have to do that? I'm like, well, you don't have to, but it's what I do and it's what my business partner does and gives you a boost on your returns and go on and on about all the benefits. But what do you say to the skeptics out there? Here's the thing. I'd say we've answered this question differently over the years. Early on, it was kind of like this, well, I mean, just compare it to your cash and do you have something that's ever compounding and are you have a dollar doing multiple jobs and all this sort of thing. But nowadays, it's more like, well, who's telling you that this is a bad idea and how much passive income did they have? Have they created? Because let's just talk about the strategies. Like if the thing that you're doing, albeit anything outside of infinite banking, is helping you get to financial freedom faster, you should do that. Why not? I mean, we don't care. But if you're like us, we all of a sudden, because we had done this and built this kind of foundational key element of access to capital, all of these other things came as a result of that. And I can't promise the same results for everybody, but I can tell you, just like Robert Kiyosaki talks about, opportunities find cash. And when you don't have access to it, when you're betting on the market and somebody else to try to like take advantage of your future, I mean, good luck. Good luck. I hope it works out for you. But if you want financial freedom faster, this is a way to enhance that. And this is how you can get there. I don't know, Russ, what would you say? Well, so Joey mentioned that he worked for a mortgage company. He actually worked for Wells Fargo. And I can remember early on, Julie, I was sharing with him 
the statistics, which is on FDIC.gov, of how much money Wells Fargo had at that time in cash value life insurance. And I don't remember what the statistic was then. Today, it's around $18.5 billion in cash value, which just to give a comparison, because most of us don't deal in billions, right? They have a little over $11 billion in real estate assets. So help you understand, like they think that this is a much better place for their cash to reside than the real estate that their banks operate out of. So when people say- And by the way, hold on, hold on, Russ. By the way, as I was at Wells Fargo talking about this idea, the people around me, all the people that had the vice president titles at Wells Fargo were telling me it was a bad idea. And literally at the same moment, their lives were being insured by Wells Fargo in the very thing that they told me was a terrible idea. Get, so let it, that sink in for you. I mean, I think the key point is it, it's just a tool, right? Tools, a hammer, for instance, could be used to create. It also can be used to destroy. And I think a lot of times the perspective that people come at it from a, a skeptical point is because they've heard about it from the times that it was used poorly. And to be honest, most of those situations are accurate. Like I've read a bunch of them. Of course, we're in the South. Dave Ramsey's really big. And we hear a lot of that. Like, well, Dave Ramsey said this and Dave Ramsey said that. Look great. Perfect. But then also sometimes just saying, okay, well, not everything, though, is perfect in alignment. Maybe there's some things there that wasn't said correctly, right? So here's an example. Probably our most downloaded videos is our video that says Dave Ramsey's wrong. (laughs) We break down one of the topics that he talked about, about whole life insurance. And I have hundreds of comments on that constantly. People love to hate on that one. But it really goes back to what perspective you're coming from. And if you're wanting common results, follow the common advice. If you're wanting uncommon results, you need to probably look for uncommon advice. And that's kind of where we came from with this. I'm curious, how do you decide when you're thinking about where to start a policy for a new client or a new investor? How do you decide which company you go with and why? Yeah. So we have probably four or five different companies that we work with and they've changed over the years because Mm -hmm. there's the last, especially two or three years, there's been some adjustments in the way that insurance companies could allocate money based upon certain IRS rules. And we've changed that over time. There's probably 10, Julie, that Mm -hmm. probably meet most of the standards that we would say they're over a hundred years old. They've paid a dividend every year. They've been in existence. They don't hamper your ability to access cash as early as seven days after you started the policy. Their dividend and their loan rates are in line with X. That's a baseline for us. But then it goes into specifics. So some of our clients, especially in the real estate space, especially coming into it, maybe fresh, they've got lump sums of cash and they're trying to find ways to get that in as fast as possible. There's certain insurance companies that are just better to allow those large lump sums. We have a, a client recently, I'm only using numbers for the sake of just showing illustration. This isn't our typical client, but he came in, he put in a half million dollars in his yearly premium, and he put another half a million dollars into a lump sum because his objective was to take that out and go do some land deals. And so there was only one company that really was the best fit for that situation. Mm-hmm. While someone else may be in the military or they want to insure a kid or they may insure somebody who maybe is not perfect health, there's companies that are more suited for those specific ones. So for us, we're really just trying to find the situation and then find the insurance company that does it. And our coaches 
who work with people who are reaching out to us, they're just trying to find that and then pick the one that they think is the best fit. Got it. Makes sense. So kind of like you were saying earlier, you don't just walk down the street and go into some state farm insurance and say, hey, I want to open up a whole life insurance policy, right? Doesn't work like that. That's a bad idea. Um, Using it poorly. (laughs) Yeah. The Northwestern Mutual State Farm, if you walk in, they will sell you a policy. Oh, yeah. It is 100% guaranteed not to be one we're talking about. (laughs) Good. Just wanted to make that clear. A couple more questions. When with whole life insurance, a lot of folks, they create, like you said, you have like all these different policies, right? Like in what instance does it start to make sense for, let's say Annie has one whole life insurance policy on herself, right? When does she start to say, okay, maybe I should open another one or a second or a third or a fourth? When does that start to make sense? And the reason part of that I'm asking is I... And correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought there was some new thing that's happening in the new year where insurance policies are going to be changing, whole life insurance policies are going to be changing in 2022. And so for anybody who may already have one, just trying to figure out is now the time to do that or talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the first question you ask is when do you know that it's time to have more than one or Mm -hmm. to expand? One, we did a video on this. It's actually based off of page 48 in Nelson Nash's book. He said that your income should equal your premium. And it was just one of those concepts that makes sense, but it just practically, to me, it was just very difficult to get my head around it. So Russ and I spent years. Mm -hmm. We even asked Nelson directly because we would go to lunch with Nelson. He lived literally five miles from our office. Oh, wow. And so we got to literally be mentored directly by Nelson. And if you ever asked Nelson this directly, he would never give you a direct answer. You say, Nelson, how do you get your income to equal premium? He would say, well, let me tell you about, he started telling you a story that you're like, no, no, not, that's not what I'm asking. But the point is, we did a video on this to say, if you start to run your income through a policy, you start to see where your cash is flowing and how much cash you have. This policy can only hold so much. The first policy, if it's constantly full, then you know that you, and you have additional cash elsewhere, that it's time to expand. It's kind of like, mm. is there an ability, if you're a business and one business is super successful, you're going to expand to the next one and to the next one and so on and so forth. Bank branches work that way, so on and so forth. So that would be the first thought. The second thought would be is when you're, as Russ mentioned, when you're in business ordeals and situations, you want to also kind of take the cash flows from that business and expand it into a policy to ensure key people in that business relationship. We've done that with our land business, our short-term rental business, and e-commerce business. And we're constantly looking for ways to expand that way. So that could be another reason to do it. I'm going to cut my bearded friend off again and give you a different way to see it. (laughs) Here's the thing is that too oftentimes, right? I hate to use the word busy, but that's what we get, right? We get really busy. We get really focused on what we're doing and money starts piling up and then we don't know what to do with it. The thing that we try to do is help people organize their cash flow. We even built an, what we call an automated budgeting system that allows them to organize it. So it takes some of the mental gymnastics out of the process. But along with that, it then helps start to say, well, I'm spending this amount of money. I've got this amount of excess. And then as I start building other passive income streams, where can that money flow to be able to take advantage of the next opportunity? And so we keep being able to say, well, where's your money going right now? This concept's called becoming your own banker for a reason. 
why are you continuing to use someone else's bank to fund all the deals? Meaning, why are you keep depositing your money in there and letting them use it until you need it next? And initially, when all of us start this, I remember I started my first policy in September of 2009. I started my second one in January of 2010, and I've opened 20-something other ones over the years. And it just because I kept seeing a bigger slice of the pie right? I kept figuring out what I didn't know. And the more opportunity of cash kept coming to me, I kept trying to find well, where's the best place for it to go. And then I would start a new policy. We'd start a new business. I'd say, okay, this is a great way for me to protect my asset. I insure this person. And now I got the cash flow going. And that's usually what happens for people. They start one. The second question you ask is there's a change in the IRS rules, which actually the insurance companies have been lobbying for for a while. The insurance companies going back into the 80s have were able to get the death benefits as well as the cash value accumulation to be avoided from taxation, right? So some investments as the appreciation accrues, you have to pay tax on it. Well, the insurance policies through a tax code called the 7702 allows you not to have to pay tax on that accrual of cash. You get to defer it. And then if you take out the money in the form of a loan or when it's passed along in a death benefit, there's no taxation. The problem with that is that they had to guarantee 4% in order for that to happen. Well, as interest rates have continued to stay low for the last 10 years, that's been a burden upon insurance companies to continue to find guaranteed places to get their cash at work and be able to provide a 4% guarantee. So they've been wanting for there to be a change, but yet they didn't want to go to Congress and say, hey, we want to change our rate down because then that potentially could change the taxability rules. Well, they were able to work a deal out where they kept the same framework. The insurance contracts were not going to be taxed, but they could reduce their guarantees as low as 2%. And, and what that's done is just given them a little more breathing room and flexibility. Now the difference, they're still earning the same returns. The difference is now the dividends within those policies have increased. The amount of death benefit that they have to provide because they have lower guarantees reduce. So for some of us as investors, it allows us to maybe put more cash in for the same death benefit. And if we're not interested in the death benefit, we're only interested in the cash accumulation. For some of us, it's actually a better thing. But it's all, again, very specific. I don't use this situation that's happening to say this is a time to do it or not do it. Buying policies now, we've just set up a new business. And so we bought a new policy under the old rules but I'll also be buying new ones next year and I'll continue as long as I have a place and a need to put cash somewhere and it exceeds how much I can put in my current systems, then I'll keep doing it until otherwise I find a better option for it. Right. Yeah. It seems like it's not really going to impact that much and seems like it'll be a good thing for the insurance companies and it'll provide them the flexibility and the impact to the investor or the policyholder doesn't seem like it's going to be all that significant. So that's just a note to anybody out there who might be getting these urgency emails as I've seen in my inbox. I take it from Russ and Joey here that not to worry, not too many big changes coming up. Awesome. Well, we're going to move into the last part of our show, the life and money show spotlight round where we're going to ask you guys a couple of questions around life and money. And so I don't know, would love to hear from both of you or whoever wants to answer. But the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? 
Well, Russ isn't going to like this, but every week I'm basically asking him, how many hours can I cut out of next week to spend more time with my family? And what we've chosen to do as a family is we do homeschool our five daughters. And what I've found is for me, that has allowed me to invest in them more directly and impact their lives while we have this very short amount of time that they are looking for direction. And my ultimate goal is that they would grow up and be looking for the same thing in a mate. And so I want to train them well, and you can't do that just with very little time. And so I'm trying to spend more and more time with them. That's my intentional living. And when I hear you ask that question, the thing that thinks that comes to my mind is that when we're not living intentionally, we're allowing it to happen to us. And for a while, I've been blocking my schedule, focusing the week before of what I want the next week to look like. And initially, it felt constrained, but now it's freedom. It allows me to choose the things in my week. And that may be like every Wednesday, I take one of my four kids to breakfast. And I've intentionally put that in my calendar. Three days a week, I'm leaving at 3.30 and taking one to swim practice and be in a gymnastics practice and those things. But it's also intentionally making sure I'm improving my health and using, using things that will allow me to be more active and be around my family for a lot longer. And clearly, we've shared our passive income approach to making sure that we work because we want to. And I think the things that for us is that we don't have any intention to stop working because it's fun. But a lot of times when you have to work, you're not able to give as much as you would want to. And now that we've got to a point where our passive income does exceed our monthly expenses, we get to show up and I feel like give more. And also at the same time, not like have no concern. Like to your point a second ago, like five years ago, maybe I would have sent that email that said, Hey, here's the best time to buy an insurance policy. But we don't feel that. Like we really feel like we're living on purpose and we're just sharing what we believe is hundred percent accurate as it applies to us. Wow. How do you guys look so good for having nine kids between the two of you? <laughs> I didn't have to have them. My wife actually had the kids, but yeah, that's the key to it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It is nuts. I thought Annie and I with five kids between the two of us had a lot on our plate. So you guys have almost double that. Wow. That's (laughs) impressive. But I love that. I also homeschool my three kids, which I thought was a huge chore. I cannot even begin to imagine homeschooling five, uh, five altogether. What are their age ranges? Are they in the Uh, teens yet? All of them? Oh yeah. No, I've got a two-year-old, oh. seven, eight, 13, and 15. Okay. Then you're still in it with the two-year-old too and the seven. 100%. Oh, yeah. You got to have another one. The other ones are paired, 13, 15, seven, eight, two, yeah. <laughs> I mean, And what that does is that really allows you to buy more insurance. You yeah. know, the more kids you have, that's another hack for you. There you go. There you go. All right. Second question is around others' life and money. So what is, and I do want to hear from both of you guys on this one for sure, but what is one life or money hack that you guys can share that'll make an impact in others' lives right now? Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the WHOOP band. You guys familiar with the WHOOP? W-H-O-O-P. It's like a $30 monthly subscription and it measures a lot of things. It measures your sleep. It measures something called HRV, which is really a measure of your stress. And this is something that's been on Joey and I's mind to be healthier and to be more intentional there. 
And it's something that we've gotten all our team involved on and it's become a competition. But to me, like this is the life hack right now that I have that it has created something that accentuates what I already wanted to be was healthier, but knowing that I'm tracking this thing called HRV. And I know there's these different controllables, nutrition, sleep, exercise, so forth and so on that impact that. And if you haven't been familiar with WHOOP or HRV, to me, that's the cheapest hack I can give you right now to take action that would enhance performance. Because to be honest, it's hard to go out and do something. Like if you're already in a nine to five and you're trying to figure out how am I going to break out of that A lot of times we talk about the five to nine, right? What happens after work? Well, you got to have gas left in the tank and you better get your health in order in order to be able to do that. Interesting. I'll check that out. Yeah. Unfortunately, like our whole business is money hacks, right? Like Mm -hmm. everything that we talk about is if you want to get to financial freedom, how do you get there faster? And so, I mean, hacks around budgeting, hacks around I'll give you one little simple thing that's in one of our courses and it has to do with like monthly subscriptions. This is one of those places where money just kind of leaks and you don't really understand what's even going on. Mm -hmm. But if you put all your monthly subscriptions onto one credit card, just open a credit card just for that one specific need, then as you get that every month, you can just kind of quickly look over it and see, am I using these things or not? Because Many times, I don't know how many times Russ and I have talked about this 18 months into a deal and you're like, I never even used that the last year and a half. I used it one month. I remember Russ got YouTube TV at the office to watch one thing. It was a free trial, right? Like 24 months later, we're like, we've never even turned that on. I mean, this is (laughs) a bad idea. So have that credit card and you can easily track that and be able to turn things on or off. So something simple. Love that. I think on your phone, there's also like a little subscriptions thing, isn't there, where you can see? Anyway, well, those are the ones that are on your phone anyway. I learned that because I was having these recurring charges that went on for three years. I'm like, hey, what is that? And I wasn't looking at it. Husband wasn't looking at it. He thought I knew and I thought he knew. And one day he asked, he's like, what is this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like this photo app that like I had no idea about and was just charging me $12.99 every month. And I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, that's another little hack for everybody else. Is there some thing in your phone where you can find all the subscriptions you have too? All right. I'm going to check out that Whoop thing. How is that different from like a Fitbit? Fitbit has certain things it's tracking. I think the unique part to Whoop, and I don't know all the differences. We've had Fitbits in the past. I forgot them because it was something that was just tracking my motion, right? Uh Where this is, it literally is tracking sleep. So I'm able to every night, not only know how much sleep did I get, but how much was in deep sleep, how much was in slowly cycle sleep, how much was in light sleep. I get to measure my heart rate and my resting heart rate. So there's lots of different variations to it, but the HRV, like that's the thing that measures your level of stress, both emotional, spiritual, and physical stress. And that ultimately impacts how you perform. And so just Joey and I hired a professional trainer that coaches people in this. And not only are we getting our nutritional and everything else in line, but that's one of the biggest thing we focus on. Okay, cool. I have an Apple watch and I use my Apple watch for a lot of that too. 
And every morning I'm like, yep, had another bad night of sleep. <laughs> yep, still stressed. All right, on to the next. I'll give it along with that, because this is relevant time when we're in with coronavirus still out there, right? And people are always wondering, like, wait a second, do I have it? We're always wondering, right? If I start feeling ill, it must be that because that's the thing. One of the things that this does, it measures your respiratory rate. And our coaches told us if our, and our respiratory rate stays within a range, he says, Mm -hmm. if it goes up more than 20% overnight, Mm -hmm. you need to immediately take action, therapeutics, the things to start doing that. And we have a passive income mastermind that's focused on getting people to 200% of their monthly expenses. Mm -hmm. And we met in Nashville. And unfortunately, a couple of people end up getting the virus while they were there, but he was the one that had on one of these devices. He woke up in the morning. It was up 20 something percent. He went straight to the doctor. They're like, why are you here? Are you symptomatic? You've been around somebody he goes, no, right. no, no. Yeah. And they're like, I don't think you need a test. He gets the test three hours later. They call him back. They're like, what's that thing you got again? Because you know, you're yeah. positive. And so he really started taking therapeutics for the next 48 hours and, and was fine. And I think to me, that was like for my mom, my sister, my family, I got everybody on this whoop band. I was like, measure that. If you measure nothing else, like you're not trying to focus on sleep and all these other things, I think that's good for you. Just follow that. If you wake up one morning and your respiratory rate's up 20%, yeah, boom, go do something about it. Huh. Well, then there you go. I don't think the Apple Watch does that. So there you go. <laughs> all right. Last question is around life and money in the world. So what is one thing that you guys are doing right now to make the world a better place? I'm going to maybe go a different way with this. So we say that you can't be a cul-de-sac. You can't be just a retainer of knowledge. You have to be flowing it through. So one, we have mentors in our life, both financial mentors, spiritual mentors, people that we go and seek and that can pour into us. But at the same time, we have to find somebody that we can share that with. So my wife and I, over the last several years, there's a leadership development group called the Fellows Initiative. They come in, there are nine months in the city in which they're in. Typically, they just graduated college. It's their first year out and they need a host family. And so we've hosted somebody there so that one, we can be a blessing to them, but also be able to mentor and to share into their lives as well. Love that. Joey, anything you want to add? Yeah, I would just say that when I was in college, I was really impacted by a ministry. And it was one of those that I thought I was going to go into full-time ministry because I wanted to serve others in a really impactful way, even to the point where I thought I was going to go overseas and all this sort of thing. But as I was learning, I also learned that there's two people that God uses in his overall mission in the world, the people that he sends and the people who send the people that he sends. And by that, I mean the people that are financially sacrificing to give to those initiatives. And so when the doors started to close for my wife and I, that maybe we're not supposed to go overseas like we had anticipated, we really made it a point to say, well, how much of our income can we give? Not like what should we give, but how much can we give? And so every year we're always looking for ways to increase that number and to impact ministries and individuals all over the world. And so again, that's kind of generic, but I just feel like that's a passion of ours in a way that we give back. You guys are such an inspiration in the way that you guys have so many, you've had key mentors and coaches help you along the way, even the way that you met and started working together. And I love the ways that you guys are paying it forward and giving back and helping others on this path as well. Speaking of which, 
I'm sure our listeners are going to want to follow up and learn more, get the matrix, get the report, all of that stuff. So tell them what's the best place that they can go. So you can go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. And that is the entry into our world. We built a community off Facebook, off Instagram, no cat meme, no political rhetoric, just focused on getting financially free. We've got about 5,000 members in there. And when you go in there, you'll see a start here and go there. It'll literally take you through. We have a three-step process. It's GPS and you can go through and get that vision and clarity which is free, but it's so action-packed, so full of things that will set you in a direction if you haven't already gotten that. And then you can keep going, as you said, with the investor DNA and all the other profiles that exist. And by the way, when you get in there, Mm -hmm. do you have a DM function within our app? So DM us and tell us that you heard us on the Life & Money Show. We always love to connect with people who are listening and see what you're getting out of it. So we would so appreciate that. Love it. Well, I'm going to go there right now. I'm going to join the community too. And I invite all of our listeners to do so as well. Russ Morgan and Joey Murray, creators of Wealth Without Wall Street. Thank you guys so much for being here with us, pouring into our listeners and sharing your experience and wisdom with us. Thanks for having us great being with like-minded folks like you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 